I'm Craig Miller. I've been um, a Christian mental health therapist for 40 years. Uh, my father was a pastor. I grew up in a church, uh, and so uh, God is love, but I was in a mainline church, and that's what I learned about mainline church, but I realized um, even I worked in emotional healing for many, many years, but then about 12 years ago, I was healed, miraculously healed of a physical ailment. I had a 30-year back injury that was just horrible to live with. It's on and off. I got the injury when I worked in the kitchens growing uh, in college, when I worked in kitchens to get through college. So um, what happened was uh, I went to a church because we wanted more. At the end of the pastor said, anybody need healing, come on up. I went up there, didn't expect it at all. They had me lay down on the floor, which is kind of weird, I thought, because I, I was my back was hurting. They laid me down. They put their hands over my my back. Now, I was familiar with all this, but you know how it is, but, it not, but not about me, everybody else, you know. So I just laid down. The leg lengthened out. They said a few other words about it. I stood up, and it was miraculously healed. Haven't had a problem since. Now, thank you, Jesus. Yes, I gave him all the glory. Now, what you're going to realize is that um, we've had a couple of problems here and there, but what I didn't realize from that point on, uh, because I work in the emotional realm and in the spiritual realm, I realize there's a huge difference. There's a connection. Okay, so a little bit of that was about myself. What I want to do is before I move on is I want... Everybody, I want to do a little bit of an impartation as well as kind of a fun greeting. Everybody has to do this to make this work. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, God thinks you're awesome, but I'm his favorite. Yeah, there you go. That is awesome. So God thinks you are his favorite because you are his favorite. Thank you, the Lord. So let's have some fun here. Uh, because Dan is gone, we're going to have some fun. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so oh, and this is a yes or no question, and I, I need to know from you, um, who here, I uh, see, are you a smart person, yes or no? Are you a smart person? Yes. Right, well, some people knew from yesterday. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the question. So, are you a born-again Christian? Yes. Are you going to heaven? Yes. Okay. Do you, do you have all the authority in heaven? Yes. Do you have all the authority on earth? Yes. Do you have all the power on earth? Yes. Okay, uh, so there's getting weaker and weaker. Okay, so what's happening is because some of you don't believe that, and some of you don't even know that. Okay, so here's the point is that if you are God's favorite, which you are, and you are born-again Christian, which I pray you are, and if you're not, I'm gonna, I want you to be. Did you know that healing, that uh, praying for healing is an evangelistic tool? Do you know it's easier to pray for people for healing that are non-Christians than Christians? Because, uh, because the ones that are Christians are in a church that, that don't expect it. When we're in a church, we typically often have what we call a, um, the deaf and dumb spirit, which is the spirit, usually the religious spirit, that we're confined to what we know because of what we've grown up in, in the box of what they give us. And then we maintain ourselves spiritually within that box, and we don't go further than that because we don't allow ourselves to do that. God wants you to have greater than what you have because you have all the power and authority. And if you do have all the power and authority, which you do, because when you accept Jesus in your heart and mind, 1 Corinthians 3.16, the Spirit dwells within you. And because it dwells within you, you have all of that. 
So because of that, does it make sense then that we don't get healed? Does it make sense that you're going to heaven and uh, you have all the power, all authority, you, have, you own all the cattle on all the hills, and you come to church depressed or anxious? Does that make sense? Not at all. Okay, the reason why it doesn't make sense is because it's about nonsense, and you can't make sense out of nonsense. Because And emotions many times, negative emotions is about nonsense because it's really not about the adult issue. It's about what you came, what you brought in from the childhood issues. And first of all, so if you have anxiety, depression, physical issues, really, it's really not your fault. You didn't ask for it. You don't want it. It's because somebody gave it to you. So what we need to realize is it is not yours anymore. You're just having to own it, and you're then believing it, and then you're accepting it, and it's becoming your identity. That's the lie. You're accepting a lie because it's not even yours to begin with because somebody gave you that issue, whatever that is. Whether it's an accident, did you know that you can be born and anxious? So if, and I'll, I'll get into that in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. But you have to believe in who you are. And because God already made you good enough, worthy, and deserving, and so we're assigned parents who will uh, do things in a sense because... All right, so when we are born, uh, God gave us parents because we're already wonderfully made. The Bible says so. You're already good enough, worthy, and deserving. God gave us parents to tell us what he gave us. But the problem is because of sin in the world and because of what they grew up, they only gave us what they know. And typically that's not very good. And then we begin to believe that. And guess what? Then we live out of that. Do you want to live out of that anymore? Like, I don't. God bless my mom, but oh my goodness, I don't want to live with her anymore. So, so what we experience in influential time of life as childhood creates the, the imprints of what you believe for the rest of your life if you let it. So what you experience in the influential time of life when you're very innocent creates the imprint of what you believe and what you live in the rest of your life if you let it. How you believe in something is determined by how someone of greater authority believed in you first. Because when I'm into the world, I'm very influential, and I don't know. Did you know that when you're born, you don't know God? In the spirit, yes, the spirit God is there. But intellectually, physically, I don't know God. So God gave us our mom and dad, especially your God, especially your father, as the representation of who God is, as an authority figure. And how we grow up with that authority figure will influence how I believe what God is like. In one of my books, um, When Your Emotions Don't Come Easy, I talk a lot about the connection between the, the physical uh, father and the, the heavenly father. So here's what I want to do. Let's hope this is going to work. All right, so uh, this, I want you to see this. Okay, so once you see this, this is a backpack, of course, that we will then carry around in life. And what happens is, when we're born, the backpack is empty. You've got really nothing in it. We're only born with temperament, which is strong-willed and compliant. After that, our personality from what, it, what we learn is from the environment. And by the way, who creates the environment you live in? Parents do. And that's what we learn off of, okay? There are role models. So what happens is, so you think about this. So if your parents go, I love you, 
this is a little hard, by the way. I love you, and you're good enough, and you're worthy, and they hug you for no reason, and they kiss you for no reason, and they do things, listen to you, and they do things with you, and uh, you're uh, um, liking to, to talk together about what's going on, and they build you up, and had a boy, you could do whatever you put your mind to. I could just go on and on, but all those great things, are all, they're awesome, and that's making me feel good. But what if we grow up in a home where... Uh, parents then are really busy all the time, and they're really not there for you. What about when they, uh, they say, you're so stupid? How about something about uh, not good enough, or they, don't, or they don't hug you, or they don't spend the time with you, or they're really busy, or they die, or they divorce, or they leave you, or just I could just go on and on, or they're just not around for you. What happens is I'm squishing my, oh, I'm damaging my heart. And it's getting worse. And what happens is I will, I will just continue to do that. And over time, I'm going to zip that up. Our mind, by the way, is, a, one of the, is, the most, is the strongest and most powerful organ in our body. And it will sustain a lot. And kids, what they do is they put it in because they think that's the way life is. And so they put it away. Some actually disassociate from it. That's called disassociation because I have to. What I do is I take that on, then after a while, that becomes who I am and my identity. And I take that, and that becomes who I am, and I, and I pick it up, and I carry it around. What I'm doing is I'm still putting more of these things in my pack as I go on. Uh, I have a girlfriend or a boyfriend that hurts me, or uh, my parents, again, something happens, or um, I get in trouble, or I get hurt, or there's a physical abuse or emotional abuse. And what happens is I, I go, and this then, at this point, this creates imprints. The imprint is, a, for example, either I'm loved or I'm not loved, or I'm good enough or not good enough, or not important. Because what my parents create determines who I am because of they are the first role model of, of, of creating that pattern. This is based on, by the way, Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're older, they won't depart from it. And so it is, I'm going to take that over into adulthood. And now I'm an adult. What happens after a while, if I hold on to this and I don't let it go because I don't have opportunities. Let's say you grew up in a home where you didn't express feelings a lot. Now I ask a lot of people, did your parents express feelings? Yeah, they did. It was anger or it was rage. Uh, my father drank a lot or mother did and it was overwhelming. And what I do is I just shut down. I just go to my room. And so, but, or I don't know what to do with it. Uh, typically, most of us don't know how to express feelings. And uh, it's because we don't know. Women are, have used both sides of the brain when they're born because uh, they can, because God created that way. When men are born, they, create, they also use both sides of the brain. They're born that way. But the seventh week, at the seventh week in utero, God created testosterone to wash over the male brain. And there's a, a colostrum. Um, it's a cord, a three-strand cord between the right and left hemisphere gets damaged. It got literally so damaged that information that goes into the right side, which is the logic side, it does not cross over the, to the emotional side very fast at all. So I, when I do my marriage conferences, I say women, and this is a freebie on this one. So if, so women, when you ask your men something about anything that has an emotional content to it, and then you get that kind of like uh, deer in the headlights kind of look, 
is because they don't get it. Okay, now, you already know that. I'm sorry, man, that we are brain damaged, okay? So they guess she got it. Okay. So we really are. Now, but that's not to stop you. Of course, I have men that come in, and they, that's their excuse now that they don't have to say anything because they're brain damaged. The problem is that that's not the excuse, all right? The point is that you have to work harder now. So information goes in the left side. We think about it, but then ask, give them a moment to let them think about it, and then also don't ask them what they feel. Ask them what they think. It's the same thing. It'll register, right? It'll come out the way you need to, but if you keep on going after it, it'll sh they'll shut down. They won't, go to the, they won't go to the right side. They'll more shut down. Okay, so anyway, it goes over, then it eventually goes to the right side, but you have to help them with that. So by the time, by the time we then add a boy, and especially for, for men, go to your room if you're gonna act that way, or big boys don't cry. You stupid. I mean, we could just go on and on about how we treat it. You all know that because we all have that somewhere, some way. I tell you, um, I grew up in a church, and I mentioned this. Uh, my father, as a pastor, we, um, I, was the, I, w I felt like I was the 201st child in my family. You know, we had 200 people in our home, or in our, uh, it felt like it was in our home. They were always in our home. Like, so, so we lived in a parsonage, so we always, you know, belonged to the church, so my parents always had, so it was, real, I mean, it was great. I was socialized. My wife grew up in the same home. I moved five times. Okay, so I can just go into any room and just say, hey, yeah, I'm here, and she can't do that. But it's the difference. It's not right. It's not wrong. The point is that, so uh, because my father was so busy, he was a good man, a good provider, and I didn't see that as wrong, but he wasn't around. He wasn't there. So what happens is because I get my identity from my dad, I thought because he wasn't around, I did something wrong, or I didn't get the attaboy and build up like I should have. Plus, it didn't help that in sixth grade that I saw, I knew exactly where I was, I could see the, the windows and where I was sitting. The teacher was exasperated by us. Her name was Mrs. Epstein. I think she was 100 years old. And she said, she said to us, you kids will never amount to anything when you grow up. She was so frustrated. I believed her. And for years, I didn't think I did, all right? And so the point is that I've got to get out of that. But we have many stories of that. So we come into adulthood. If we don't get rid of this stuff that you're given, what happens is the stones become bigger, and they become bigger rocks. And that weighs us down. So this is like a big weight on my back. It's a huge weight. And then, and then what happens is then we are, start feeling like garbage, we started feeling pulling garbage out because that's how we feel inside, right? So, and, but this is not all of God, but it's what I know because it's who I am because of the identity that I created from my first God gave me this, and then I believe that. That is a lie. So now, all right, so I'll go back to this. Are you a smart person? Yeah. Okay, so if you're depressed or if you're down or if there's something not right, if there's something you sense is not right in your body, your life, believe it. Your job is to get rid of it because you have an almighty God. I'm going to give you some things that you could do to get rid of it. Uh, in the book we mentioned, especially in the book, it's a, the green book, um, Breaking Emotional Barriers to Healing, which is my sequel to the one that he mentioned that Randy did forward to. So here's what we have to do. Um, we have to recognize that God does love us, and when we put them away, we zip that up, and then it becomes kind of locked within us. 
But I'm telling you right now, if there's something going on in your life and how you feel and what you do, how you react, it doesn't seem right. And especially if somebody tells you it's not right, typically your spouse, okay? So then believe it because it's probably true, all right? So you need to realize that your experiences early in life create what you think and feel and believe the rest of your life if you allow it. So we need to realize that let's not allow it anymore. So when you hold on for that for a long time, let's see if this is going to work. Yeah, excellent. What happens is it creates negative words. So negative words create negative beliefs. So if you hear from somebody else or you hear it within yourself, the words afraid, can't, doubt, dumb, empty, guilty, helpless, hopeless, insignificant, it goes on. You'd read them. You need to realize that these words represent past unresolved traumas. The words represent childhood emotional beliefs. It's something that was created in childhood that I took on, that it became part of who I am. I believed it, and now that's what I do, and then I believe. That's a lie. Okay, these are, these are, the, these are um, emotional expressions of how I felt from, as an adult. These are adult words with childhood content. These are victim words, and it's called learned helplessness. So you realize that you're not helpless anymore and you are not a victim. But this is the telltale sign that you are because this is what you say. But you're not that way anymore. So it doesn't make sense. So how can we come to church every Sunday, hear an amazing ser- have an amazing service and hear an amazing sermon about what God, how God loves you, but I can't seem to relate? And that's part of the problem. Words really hurt us. Okay, so... so um, Proverbs 12, 18 says, reckless words pierce like, like a sword. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. In James 3, 7, the tongue is like a restless evil full of deadly poison. The power in words. How many, how many uh, are familiar with the, I'm going to just give a couple of slides about this real quick. Uh, Dr. Emoto from uh, the book, A Miracle of Water. I know, I know a few of you are. Yep, Dr. Bob is. Okay, so everything in the world is made up of energy, all right? You need to realize that if you're alive, you have energy. You have to. So everything has energy. And because it has energy, it resonates. And because it resonates, it has a frequency. Everything has a frequency. Even the rocks cry out. But you need to recognize that because it has a frequency, when the vibrational frequency is positive and it's healthy, you live in a healthy frequency and it's balanced. When it's unhealthy, it goes unhealthy, and then that's when sickness resides. But especially with words, our words have a great vibration. Every word has a vibration, and the word, will it's life or it's death, a vibration. And so this gentleman, oh, and in the beginning of, even God uh, tells us that, because in the Bible, Genesis 1, it says we're, he says we're full of, God said, it's, uh, Genesis 1 is all about God said. He, he created the earth. He said that we're, we're also made in God's image. Um, let there be lights. So this, this uh, researcher, scientist and researcher said that the body is made up of 70% water, and it's a major source of vibration. Uh, so water is a, is a great source of vibration. So when we say a word to somebody or something happens, that word then will make our body vibrate. And what happens is he decided to uh, take a word, to get a jar, uh, like a ball jar, 
and put distilled water in and write a positive word on one and a negative word on another and speak that into that jar of into that water and it makes the water vibrate. And what happens is he then he froze that water and he froze the water and took a microscopic picture of the crystals in the water, right? And every crystal has a form. As we know, snow, every crystal has, is a different form. So this is what he started doing. Okay, so on, what's on your right is hope. Now, isn't that beautiful? It's like the Star of David, and it's a beautiful. On the left, of course, is hopeless. So if that is what you speak, that is what is formed in your body. Also, uh, unhappiness and happiness. So if you speak that, if you're unhappy, that's what's formed in your body, and it's very unhealthy. If it's happiness, that's what's formed, a beautiful, happy way of thinking and feeling. I can do it. I can't do it. So, so how many want to, to do what God has them to do, right? This is what you're going to form, a beautiful form. God wants you to know because he loves you that the condemning statements such as stupid, clumsy, um, a failure, uh, or I failed, all that stuff is really, um, you need to realize this goes along with the scripture, Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks, so he is. So I'll give you a couple more real quick. Numbers 14, 28, the Lord told Moses and Aaron, I will do to you the very thing that I hear you say. He said, Matthew 12, 36, you will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word you have spoken. Like, that is ouch. Okay, so the longer we behave and become, the longer we behave in this, the longer it becomes our norm and who we are. So, it, so we relate to it. God is, wants us to feel loved and feel his love, but if we have the other, it's very difficult to hear it. So if the authority in, uh, in a, if the authority and role models in our life are positive, I've already mentioned, then you're going to have that positive. If they're negative, you're going to have a lot of negative. And by the way, this has a, regarding the love, so if they're negative, I have a hard time feeling that love. If they're not positive, it's hard feeling the, feeling the love. This is all based on 1 John 4.19, so, which is, I love because God first loved me. So let me get this, because Remember, Jesus talking about it's really all based on love in terms of our loving ourselves. I cannot love myself or love somebody else or my spouse, for example, unless somebody of greater authority loves me first. I have to know what love is. It's in there somewhere, but I can't, it's not, I can't register it and I can't learn how to use it unless somebody of greater authority in my life teaches me how to use what is available. So I love this scripture 1 John 4.19 when it said to me, but I cannot relate to it at all because my father was very busy. Now it's different now because I asked for that love. And I asked for it. I love my wife more now than I did when I first met her. I didn't know what love was back 37 years ago on a rainy day at 1.30 on Saturday on May 22nd. All right, I didn't know that. So, but, but I do now, because I also asked for it, and we, we were working towards that. We had to go to counseling several times. We had to work things out. I had to learn. A lot of my books are written about because of that. So as we learn. So what happens is you, how you are affected then, 
So but you need to then, uh, God wants to, you to know how much he loves you, and then the connection with God is all about what you've been given. So how you seek and believe in love and give and receive has to do with what you've been already been given to learn how to do all that. It's very hard to do something that you don't know what to do. So what happens is uh, we're going to, we transfer that into adulthood, and then in childhood, you need to realize that in childhood, the external environment creates my internal sense of belief. Whatever goes in childhood, I take that in, and that's what I begin to believe because I don't know any better, and I can't judge that because I have no measuring stick. It's all that I know. So I take that information like I did into adulthood. Now, in adulthood, my internal belief determines my measurement of belief of reality. So in childhood, if my father yelled or I had a lot of disappointment, I'm going to feel the disappointment. So what happens, I take that sense of disappointment in my heart now. What happens is, uh, now that I have it in my heart, so when somebody else yells or there's conflict, then I'm going to feel afraid because that's what I believe in my heart because that's what I started with. Nobody told me any different. Does that make sense? Okay, so, but it's a lie, but it's all I know. So I live off of that. So we need to make that change. So life imprints create how you feel and deal with your conditions the rest of the day. Let's talk about healing. So if um, I don't believe I have the authority to, to, uh, in my own self because my uh, early childhood authority figures didn't give me the authority, or I feel I didn't get it. They gave me power. They didn't give me a belief in myself. How am I going to take that to believe that I have the ability to feel even love from God or I'm worthy to receive it or worthy to pray for somebody else. Does that make sense? Okay, so we need to then cut that off because that is all a lie now that you know that. So, so uh, literally and, and also spiritually and intellectually, we all have been given that power as we started just by accepting Christ. Now, but that's an intellectual exercise. It hasn't penetrated here. That's the issue. And the reason why it hasn't is because the lies then early on. This is, not this, this is not taught in churches. I'm just able to give you this because of what I learned from my, in my profession. So I'm bringing the profession into the spiritual. And that's what my books are about. So what we need to recognize is we need to allow them the, the, to change the imprint. And that's what I want to, what's the time wise? Okay, so I want to make sure, I want to do an impartation to help you get through this. So my expectations and my, my expectations and my understanding and abilities uh, overtake my ability to use what God has for me. So I'm really, uh, people often do only what they're used to or accustomed to in terms of carrying. They don't know because we limit ourselves. Even though intellectually I know I should do more, but if I can't believe it, if it's not in my heart, then I can't go there. And God sees that. And so, so when we pray, it's really difficult. So my belief, I can't comprehend out of what I'm carrying. And I, unless, first of all, I've got to be in an atmosphere that's more. So when you go to a church, I mean, I love going to conferences to learn about healing, but the telltale sign is you can't get there is when you become a conference junkie. You go to conferences, but you don't use it and have it in your own life. You don't have to go to so many conferences because you already have it, and you're doing it already in your life. You could have your own conference instead of going one to get something that you want. You already have it. Just do it. Go, go to a grocery store. Do you have Walmarts around here? All right, go to Walmart. That's the best place to pray. 
I, I won't say anything after that. Okay, so what happens is we struggle with our authority, power, and believing because our weak, our, when I have this in my life, the stuff that's in this bag, I become weaker because I have things that are weighing down what I, otherwise I can believe in myself. So here's what, when we pray, oops, this is what happens. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit comes in us. That's the core, the core of what we believe. And then when we pray, we want to pray for healing to the body. But when you pray for healing, you go through the soul. The soul is the mind, will, and emotions. We go through the soul to bring healing to the body. Guess what? If I have soul stuff in the way, I won't even believe that I can heal it, let alone have stuff. So the, my mind, will, and emotion stuff can get it literally in the way of the healing. Now, there's many reasons for whether it's sin, but let's just say you, uh, you forgive of sins, you forgive all the unforgiveness, uh, the spiritual warfare is not an issue. What if it's still a problem? Well, it's still a problem because you can't get further because there's something still in the way. That's where a lot of suppressed emotion is an issue. Even the, center, the U.S. Center for Disease Control, they say that 85% of physical ailments have a psychological root. That's huge. I see it as 95 because that's what I work out of. So, so what we need to recognize is when you're carrying around this stuff and then you have all the words we said about afraid and can't, then what happens is after a while, the longer you hold on to it, the longer, then the more these belief and behaviors become part of your life. Neediness and worry and panic and whining and victim mentality, critical words that comes out of your mouth, worrying all the time, feeling inadequate, uh, temper tantrums, outbursts, slamming doors, defensiveness. By the way, when you're an adult, and I work in my marriage, count, marriage counseling, or at least in seminars, anybody that slams doors, shuts down, outbursts of anger, um, uh, shuts down emotionally, doesn't work, those are all, by the way, adult temper tantrums. And ways in why you can't see that, because you're an adult body, you don't see that it's a temper tantrum. That's what little kids do. So I have to go after that because that's not who you are. That's how the little boy or girl was. So we need to release that. So what happens, also something's wrong with me. I don't, don't desire good things, including love, healing, promotions, God's favor, authority, power, and uh, uh, to be healed. It just all that gets in the way. Uh, there was a woman that I uh, was praying for that uh, she felt inside that she was uh, different than everybody else. Uh, she uh, wanted to be healed. She thought everybody else could be healed, but she couldn't be healed. She didn't know why. So I asked the Lord to take her back to where she didn't feel deserving. And so she went back to a time when a guy took her to a childhood memory of lying in bed as a sick young child. Her mom was always busy, and the little girl was sad and lonely and extremely bored and uncared for, she felt uncared for, even though she didn't know the difference. They didn't make a big deal about it because as a child, we don't have any measuring stick. We don't know the difference. We just take it in the way it is, but our spirit knows. We know when we're lonely. We know when things are not right, but I, I don't intellectually know. I take it in my spirit. Unfortunately, that spirit comes with us, and then what happens is when I get into situations now, I'm greater loneliness. The intensity of the emotion is greater than it should be because the emotion started here, but it continues here because I don't know how to get out of it, and it's worse. When the amount of emotional reaction is greater than it should be, given the situation, then it is. That means, but that situation is not the origin of that amount of emotion. It's because it's coming from someplace else. 
We got to go after that. So what I did is I had her, so she felt the neglect as an adult. She felt the neglect as a child. So I had her picture Jesus in front of her. This is what, this is what I recommend you do. This, if you ever do any healing ministry, and this is what I taught yesterday, you want to add the one element of bringing Jesus into the picture. So you'd think about the little girl at the beds, at the, in the bed, but I have her thought about seeing Jesus there standing between her and her mom. Jesus as a protected person. Or if you're mad at Jesus and find just somebody else, like a grandparent who loved you. So have that person between you and your mom who you felt didn't. Give away the hurt. Look, I can't receive good things unless I, unless I make myself available for those good things. But if I have hurt in the way in my soul, then I'm not going to receive what God wants us in our spirit for our body, all right? So I had to release the emotion of, of um, uh, hurt and emptiness and sadness and not caring and feeling abandonment and rejected. When she released that, she began to just, I just had her then just put her hands across her chest and seeing Jesus giving her a love hug. And then I had her just say, just think about Jesus when you put your arms around kids, they, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I had Jesus put his hand, just going to be all right. going to be okay. Just tapping both sides to allow just the uh, emotions to come in, releasing it and coming back and coming in. So what, what you release, you need to bring in. Now, lose what you release in the bad, you need to bring in then the good. So she released in the good, and she ended up envisioning Jesus giving her the love and the hug, and she had a big smile on her face. And she saw herself sitting up in bed because she was like well now and feeling better. And then she envisioned Jesus laughing and jumping up on, up on top of the bed for, with her, just playing. Okay, and she just, and that's what Jesus does. He just shifts the, he shifts the bad to good because he wants you to have something different than you are. All right, so let's move on. So what I want you to recognize is that when you hold on to this stuff, what happens is if I don't really get rid of this, then it's going to shift my body. Because emotional issues, if I don't get rid of the emotional issues, it will begin to destroy me physically. And here's what happens. This is also in the book uh, when you're, uh, this is um, Breaking the Emotional Barriers to Healing. It's, it's actually in this book, which is on the table there. All this stuff is in the book there to help you. Now, this is the most interesting Okay, so you need to realize that because every part of our body, everything that's living has a, has, um, a vibration. And uh, this, so, so you, get, you get rid of the sin, unforgiveness, uh, spir uh, spiritual warfare, anything else going on, and they still can't get healed. You don't understand why. Then you got to go to suppressed emotion, which is in the soul. Even Jesus said how, how important the soul is. After um, the... Um, Passover, uh, on the way to the, in the Bible anyway, it shows in Matthew, on the way to uh, Golgotha, to, to uh, he, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, on the way to the uh, garden, uh, he, to, to pray, on the way there, he said to the disciples, my soul is grieving unto death, all right? He said this several times. So when he got to the uh, garden, though, he went, and Matthew talks about going to the disciples three times, asking for help. And uh, just before the third time, he, he actually sweat blood, which is hemothydrosis, releasing, releasing the agony. Once he released the agony, through so much agony that his blood vessels burst into, a, uh, into his sweat glands, and the sweat glands then sweat blood. Luke saw that. It's in Luke. And so because of that, then, he released the emotion. At the moment he released the emotion, he was able to then go to uh, the disciples and say, it's, it's time. 
So it wasn't until he released the emotion that he knew that he could then do something that he otherwise couldn't do because his soul was so grieved. And so what happens is this is what we need to do. When we can't seem to move forward, we need to recognize this. So if everything in life that God created has an energy, has a vibration, that means all the organs of my body. And in, um, there's 400 medical diagnoses, mental health and medical diagnoses in the book uh, that I just showed you that has then the emotional connection. Pray for the emotional connection, release that, and then it becomes healed a lot faster than normally. So we don't have to... So, uh, and, um, so God's going to heal anytime, anywhere, anybody. I totally believe that, and that's the premise I stand on. But if it doesn't, we need to continue to search. Why not? And this is among one of them, all right? Uh, the biggest so that I find. So I work with people. So, for example, so if my, if my uh, this is how when you see a person that has a shoulder issue, if you have a shoulder issue that won't seem to get healed, the shoulder is also a vibrational uh, vibration. The lungs is, the kidney is, uh, the, uh, the liver, for example. So the liver is um, the vibrational, vibration of anger has the same vibrational resonance as the liver. So if you're a very angry person, after a while, that will resonate and then it will settle in the liver. And you'll, if you have a liver problem, the liver will have a hard time getting healed because the emotion locks that locks the physical in and won't allow it to be released. There's a gentleman I worked with um, that, uh, well, actually, let me do, let me do the lungs, okay? Cause, so the lungs also has a vibration of uh, loss and grief, and uh, the lungs is the same vibration. So there was a man that uh, he, um, <coughs> seven years ago, he lost his job. He came into my office for depression, but he also had close to COPD. They wanted to put him on oxygen, and he uh, didn't want to do that. But he, he couldn't walk upstairs or walk anywhere without a shortness of breath. So I said to him, uh, what happens, when did you have this um, depression start? He said, seven years ago. What happened seven years ago? My, so you want to go to the origin of where it started? He said, I lost my job. And I, because of, I said, what else happened? He said, my wife divorced me, took the kids out of state. Devastated. He said, it devastated me. Well, there's the word, devastation. And he said, I lost my children. It devastated me. So we know that settled in his lungs. So it should get healed, all right? It should get healed when we pray for it. Because God created, by the way, God created our minds and bodies to automatically uh, heal itself. I don't know if you know that. It's supposed to heal itself. Because this is, when Jesus died, he's the second Adam. He created the, the earth to be paradise, so when you pray the, the Lord's Prayer, I know I'm getting off the subject, but I have to make this a point. When you pray the Lord's Prayer on earth as it is in heaven, what are you praying? On earth as it is in heaven. It's supposed to be that way. Now, why aren't we living that way? It's because we have a lot of soul stuff that was started here. Now, granted, we don't have to just blame your parents, but you've got to start somewhere. Now, a lot of people will say, when I work in my seminars, I say, I realize that I'm making people feel guilty because, oh my gosh, what did I do to my kids? Well, I'm going to tell you that it's never too late. It's never too late to, to change what you have. You can change around anything. How big is your God? See, that's the problem. It says, how big is your God? 
So what happens is whatever happened, no matter where in your life and whatever you transferred into your generation for you, that is a generational curse. Get rid of that curse first and then work out what God has for you. Get rid of the emotion stuff. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do an um, activation. So it's 12 or 1. Okay, so awesome. That, that like, helps so so what I did is I, I had him release this man with his lungs. I had him release the, the fear and the hurt and the anger from losing his job, losing his wife, losing his kids. Uh, he forgave his employer, forgave his wife, forgave his, uh, himself for what he feels like he did, all the regret. We release, release, release. What I have back is I had Jesus put himself between each one of those and being able to do that. And he saw Jesus giving him a hug and forgiving him. And he felt like totally relieved. All I did is a simple prayer of his lungs and his lungs cleared right up. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Uh, another story is, um, in fact, uh, when I work with shoulders, I work with a lot of people with uh, shoulders and, uh, let's see, uh, okay, so think about it. Uh, what are, uh, so uh, even the shoulder and neck issues. So there was a man had a neck surgery for his neck and throat injury several months ago, and the pain from the surgery was at level six. I always ask him, what pain do you have, zero to ten? And it was six. Uh, ten is the highest. He pictured himself on that. So I do a lot of work with people also that um, uh, they have a lot of post-surgical uh, stuff, and uh, a pain. So we want to help them with that pain no matter where it is. So I have them go back to the issue of uh, he had pain, the reason why he had the surgery, he had pain, but he still had the pain. So I had him go back to a time in his life where, um, by the way, uh, for anything from the hip, knees, and feet, what are, what are uh, feet used for? What are we using it for? What, are we, what am I doing right now? I'm moving forward. So what happens is anything with the, with the uh, hip or knees or feet has a lot to do with moving forward in my life. And, I, and if I can't get rid of that pain, then it has a lot to do with I was stuck somewhere in life and I can't move forward. So this, this gentleman, uh, he had an accident early in his life uh, in, his, in his knee, and from that he lost his job and uh, he couldn't work, he couldn't do what he wanted to do, couldn't pick up his grandkids, he couldn't do all the things he wanted to do, very limited to move forward. So even though he had this surgery, the surgery still didn't work. I, what I did is I had him go back in time to where he first felt the restriction. By the way, it's even back when his parents were very strict and very, couldn't let him do what he wanted to do. His father was very strict. He didn't feel the freedom. I got, put Jesus between him and his parents, and he allowed himself to release the emotion that he was holding on of feeling angry because he didn't feel he couldn't do anything on his own. He couldn't move forward. Got rid of that. Got rid of the fact that he couldn't, he lost his job, couldn't do what he wanted to do, didn't want to go into disability. And then he had to get a surgery, which he didn't want because he felt more like a failure because I couldn't get it healed. We went back and I saw him put Jesus, I said, see Jesus having his hand on your knee on the operating table. Kind of imagine that. We released that. And as soon as he did that, because we got rid of the earlier emotion, when we went to the operating table, uh, the, the, and when the pain was completely gone and it was done. He didn't have the pain anymore. Hallelujah. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Okay, I want to go back. Back injuries. 80% uh, of Americans have back issues, 85 internationally. So what are backs for? Look, and I, in my book, I talk about function 
It's a lot of functional medicine, like what is it used for? Backs are for supporting us. You can't sit, walk, or stand without the support of your back, right? All right, so here's what happens. Um, so if you have a back problem and it won't get healed because it's supposed to be healed on earth as it is in heaven, but it doesn't, and you go through all everything else, even if you've had if surgery, if you have surgery, physical therapy, a TENS unit, whatever it is, and it does still get healed, it's because the major reason emotionally why backs don't get healed is because of lack of emotional support in your life. So uh, there was a woman that, um, and a lot of times you don't see the connection, but often I deal with people that have had uh, an issue of lack of support in their life because of somebody that wasn't there for you. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, a woman had severe back pain from an auto accident 33 years ago. Four herniated discs, two, uh, two discs, herniated discs in her neck area, and, uh, and then, then below that, she was in constant pain at number seven, zero to 10 scale. She was on 400 milligrams of pain medication daily. First, we prayed for her back, but there was no change. So I asked her to describe the accident, and she immediately began to cry. I said, just think of the accident. She just immediately began to cry. And when she went to that, she released the fears of being trapped in the car. The car, by the way, was on a side, and she felt like she was going to die. Now, that's a lot of pain. That's, that's, that's just trauma. That's terror. So, but she never did anything with it. Allopathic medicine deals with the symptoms. They don't deal with the emotion. They deal with the, the physical. So you got a physical therapy. It's not wrong. They just they need to do more. So when I see people come to my office and they have a lot of pain from something or depression or anxiety, what happens is then they can't get rid of it because what they've been dealt with through pain medication and usually whatever therapies they're having typically on the physical level, it doesn't go to the deeper level, which is emotion. Because we suppress that because our mind does that on purpose so we don't go crazy, right? So she did that. She didn't black out. So I went to that. See, Jesus standing between you. She saw Jesus in the car with her. She totally then relaxed, released that fear to him. It was just like, boom, it just started going because of the relationship. But it was down to a, a three. So I said, what was it like then getting into the ambulance? Oh, it was terrible, painful. I said, so they put her in the ambulance. We went to the ER. In the ER, this is, this is called a layer effect. So what happens is it happens a lot because when I have various layers, you can actually do it all. God can take it all away all at once. But because of the way we function a lot of times, we don't do that because our mind uses to protect ourselves. So she had to go from car, ambulance, um, and then uh, ER, and then home. And then also the other one is being helpless in my changed life for 33 years. We just had God envision that, release that, and then it's just gone. And then what, she forgave the driver that hit her. She forgave uh, other people in her life and doctors and so on. And, it, and at that moment, she just had this, uh, oh, she also had one leg shorter than the other. So I just had her then, after that, I just had her envision her, her legs and put her hand on her legs. And we just prayed that the Lord would just lengthen the leg. The lengthen just went longer. She, it was totally shifted it and the leg actually lengthened. And then uh, she was got up, and the pain totally gone. She's never had a problem since. Thank you, Jesus. And by the way, this was all done on the this was all done on the phone. Yeah, I do a lot of phone work anywhere in the world. It's just because it does. That's 
God doesn't have any limitations. You just do it. In fact, uh, this morning with our hosts that we're staying with, um, we're just uh, with Terry and, and Kevin. Uh, there was friends that they had. This gentleman is in the hospital with extreme knee pain, and um, he, he was getting an IV because of extreme knee pain. And we, we just had his wife there, and I did this Skype-wise, actually. So uh, we had his wife there. She did a few things. He saw Jesus between him and several incidences because he had knee issue. It was an accident. It shouldn't even, uh, just something that happened. But it was a long-term issue. We got rid of three or four different issues in his life. And when we got done, he had extreme pain, I don't know, six or seven on a 10 scale while he had pain medication. And when we got done, it, uh, I don't know, maybe it was a half an hour on the phone, uh, he was, his pain was completely gone. So thank you, Jesus, for that. All right, so what are we at now? Oh, the 10 after. All right. So here's what I want to do. I want to do a, um, okay, this is the book. Oh, that's some of it it's in. I want to do a, uh, I want everybody relax. If you've got something in your lap, put it down. I want to do an activation, something that you can do to help yourself release this. So just take five minutes. Oh, 10 minutes or, I don't know. Fee is um, making dinner for us tonight, so we can just take... All right, so I want you to close your eyes. I want to speak to the Father. Okay. Father, what do you have for these people? He says, someone here has a deep wound, uh, a deep wound that's been around for quite a while, something that's happened because someone hurt you. Someone, has, uh, someone close to you hurt you. You got betrayed and you're holding it out for many years. Someone has an issue of uh, someone with their job situation. Very, very frustrating. You, know, you cannot change it, and you feel totally helpless. Somebody is, there's some anxiety and depression that's overwhelming you with some periodic panic. Uh, somebody's miserable. There is a, a back, back pain. Somebody has a hip issue, uh, a neck issue. Somebody has a neck issue. You can't turn your head well. Somebody has just long-term just sadness, like just a blah. I cannot get out of it. Somebody has an issue with they just feel helpless about their life situation right now, and they just they don't even understand why. God wants you to know that he wants you healed, and he wants you better than what you are, even more than you do. So I want you to, to, Lord, would you then, I want everybody to see Jesus coming into your life. And I want, Holy Spirit, will you take, have them identify where that hurt is, either in their heart, and identify the emotion, either the pain in their hip, pain in their neck, back, or in their heart from the anxiety, or in their stomach, or just in their body. Holy Spirit, will you take them back to a place in their life where they started feeling that, either to the original event or to a time in their life where life was very anxious, where they were helpless, even as a child, like they didn't know what to do. It was just overwhelming, and they couldn't change the situation. Somebody was yelling. Somebody was divorcing. Somebody was hurting me. Now, if everybody would take their arms and put them across your chest 
as if you're being hugged with your, with your hands on your biceps. I want you to picture somebody that's safe for you. Now, if it's Jesus, somebody you have a good relationship that you've actually felt love from, and it's fine. If it's not Jesus, an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent or a, or a spouse, but somebody that the little boy or girl or teenager, whoever you, wherever you go to, would feel that safe. Just see the safety of them and feel that feeling. And now that you're safe, Lord, I pray that they will begin to let go of that hurt. See yourself actually handing over that hurt. And in doing that, I want you to tap back and forth, like left, right, left, right. So what you're doing is you're actually tapping out. Like, like if you were a parent, Jesus is hugging you and has his arms around you and said, it's going to be okay. Like we naturally want to do a love pat to just say, let it go. It's going to be okay. I am here for you. You don't have to hold on to that anymore. That is not yours to keep. You were given that hurt, that depression, that anxiety, because someone else's issues. And you took it on. You took on the pain from the accident because someone else hurt. Even if you fell, it was an accident. And because of the situation, you took on the emotion. It is not yours to keep anymore. See yourself literally letting it go, but continue to tap back and forth, saying, I'm releasing it. Pretend like you're knocking it out of you, like he's just giving it away. You're giving it away to Jesus or to that safe person. I want you to say out loud, everybody, Jesus, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this pain or hurt. I now have choices. I choose to give it to you so I don't have to feel this way. This is not mine to keep. I take my power and control back. Thank you, Lord, for my healing. So just see yourself giving it away to Jesus because you can. There you go. More, Lord. More, more. Just say more, Lord. Now I want to pray to bring into you, Lord, would you give the love that you have? I want to give you a Father's blessing. Father in heaven, keep tapping, keep yourself giving, letting it go. Oh, help, Father, as they let it go, instill in them the power that you have, the authority that you have, the love that you have. God wants me to let you know that he loves you, every one of you. In fact, he knows you so well. He wants to see you so healed in a way that you'd want your own kids to be healed. He, he cries when you cry. He hurts when you hurt. And that's out of his love for you. And he's saying, I now give you permission to give it away. But he also says it's even more important. He said to me, I give you permission to not like what happened. You don't, you can, you don't have to like what they did to you. In fact, you never have to like what was done to you. But he also said, but I give you permission to not hold on to what was done to you. You don't have to like somebody just because you're giving it away. God will take care of that later. Just start with releasing first. Then God will do the next step later about what you're going to do with it. Don't worry about it. And he said to me to say to you, he'll take care of them his, it's his vengeance. It's his issue. 
You were just put in a situation that was not your fault. You were given something that's not your fault. Thank you, Lord, for healing. Give them more, more blessings, more love, more peace, more shalom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, with your eyes closed, just curious, raise your hand if you sense a change or a shift or a releasing or a uh, relaxing. Raise your hand. Whoa, that's good. Very good. Praise God. So keep doing that. Now, you can open your eyes. You can stay and do that if you want and stay here. You have to leave by 1.30. Okay, what we're going to do is, um, that's just a joke, but it's still true. Uh, after we're done, uh, after feed comes up, um, the prayer team is going to meet over their side, and I'll be here too. Don't just come up to me. Uh, everybody, the prayer, a lot of the prayer teams were trained on Friday, and then we had the conference on Saturday. And then I'll be there also, but um, we're going to have, so after we're done here, you can come over there and they can put some music on, and then we'll pray for people that need it, all right? So I want to thank you so much, Lord. I want to to bless you. Lord, just give what I have, give it away in the name of Jesus. Put your hands out like you're receiving. In the name of Jesus, I give everyone here what I have, the boldness, the confidence, the wisdom, and the knowledge, and he wants you to do it the Nike way. Just do it, all right? Just heal. Just do it, okay? So learn it, and thank you, Jesus, in giving them. Thank you, Lord, for the love that you have for them and the healing and the wisdom and the healing power and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. One last thing. Here's the the coolest thing. When you pray for somebody, can you take the glory? When you pray for someone, can you take the disappointment? So it's a win-win situation. So just do it. Thank you, Jesus.